I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in, meaning I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. I think it's fair to say that when we're talking about things that science might tell us are paranormal, and para being identified as and defined as adjacent or next to that we somehow like put up these boundaries and these parameters around things that are labeled by, let's face it, another belief system slash other philosophy as being para, meaning adjacent to normal, or in another way of looking at it, and I think it's more accurate to say, not normal the bottom line, at least from the animal's perspective, is that nothing is ever not normal. It is only your perception of it and as being defined by an outside structure that makes it not normal. This really isn't any different than the way a shaman looks at reality. Everything is reality. There's just some reality that is ordinary and some reality that is non-ordinary, but the bottom line is it's all ordinary. And when we talk about, for instance, the movement of sliding dimensions, I think it's helpful to think of dimensions as like pieces of paper rather than, say, for instance, square footage inside of a room. And I think as humans, we're pretty attuned to this whole third dimensional thing where it's square footage and I am here. And perhaps even if some of us were to think of ourselves as being in a place that was about as thin as a piece of paper, (laughs) as in like the pages in a book, and there's um, just a ton of pages in a book, we might start to feel claustrophobic. Again, there might be some sort of like visceral reaction happening for you right now. If we think about sliding dimensions and dimensions in general, the the more you can kind of take an outward view of, oh, I see how that's how that works, rather than putting yourself in it as in the middle of it, <laughs> which is something else that humans have a tendency to do, then I think it's easier perhaps to step a little deeper into the whole complete aspect of energy and understand that when we talk about things of the paranormal, for instance, ghosts and hauntings, perhaps on the other end of the spectrum and what comes across my radar more frequently is the subject of curses, that it's all just energy. And when we talk about energy, it's all energy, capital A-L-L. Does that mean that it's all light? Of course not. Some of it is definitely shadow. Because the planetary design of Earth dictates the aspects of the energy. What all of us get to choose is how we interact with it. 
And this is where I think it's kind of a unique perspective of being of the energy, but not in it. It's almost like saying, I am of the earth, but not on it. And a technical term coming up that tends to be a bit of a squishy area, at least within the confines of the human experience, because everything that surrounds us and what we're told about this human experience is it's very boxy and three-dimensional and the room size and the whole thing. But if you can step just a little bit into maybe what might be a new space of understanding that you are of the energy, but not in the middle of it, it helps definitely, I think, when we step into areas and label them as being paranormal, as in not the normal, and then it's a very short step and not very big segue into we then sometimes label it as good or bad. And anyone who's been listening to this podcast for any length of time knows that for me, energy is just energy, period. Some of it is stuck and some of it is not stuck. I don't think in terms of good or bad. I don't think in terms of positive or negative. I don't think in terms of good versus evil. It's more aspects of light and aspects of shadow. Because for me, when I look at the aspects of shadow, as I sometimes have to do, from the vantage point of light, shadow takes on a much different persona, for lack of a better word, if you will, than thinking of something in terms of evil or negative. Even stuck and unstuck has a little bit of a wash of, well, we don't like things to be stuck and we'd rather have them be unstuck. The more you can embrace the dual aspects of current design on planet Earth, because I do think that's shifting, and we've talked about that before, of both light and shadow. And if you think of the yin-yang symbol, that's another visual that has helped me from time to time. You can even picture a single coin, and you have heads on one side and tails on the other side, and not that heads is good and not that tails is bad or vice versa. There's just differences and different aspects to actually the same kind of energy, and you get where I'm going, it actually makes it a little bit easier then to think about dimensions being at once really, really huge spaces, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, spaces that slide together with no trouble whatsoever, and sometimes they're gone kind of in the blink of an instant. As compared with animals, we exist in our experience in such a confining way. We allow these other systems, these other philosophies, these other belief systems to, to a certain extent, render us powerless by either asking us to believe things that they want us to believe. And yes, I would include both science and religion in those two categories. It has nothing really to do with the energy itself And the bottom line of that is, are we going to resonate with this energy or are we not? I can't tell you the number of times someone has said to me, I've got a curse put on me. And while I want to make sure and validate 
the emotional response to what usually is a backdrop of a situation, a relationship gone bad, a family member not happy with a relationship, a good friend not happy with a relationship, um, a coworker not happy with the job that you're doing. You all get the picture. Whatever waves are kind of swaying in the in the background, the bottom line is while there may be a shadow intent by someone sent my client's way, it really is always a choice about how to respond to that. First and foremost is, so do you believe in curses? Are you going to step into this place where, yes, I think this thing is absolutely real? And yes, I'm going to, to a certain extent, when you resonate with that thing and you say, yes, I agree that you exist, you kind of start that connection going. That is a little bit tough because I can't really change your way of thinking and change your belief system. Because as the saying goes, you are far more powerful than you've been told that you are. Because the bottom line is, yes, these individuals can have a shadow intention towards you. You must step into that place of resonance, though, in order to become a partner with that particular curse. Because as we've kind of been taught that if shadow exists, then what we what we need to do is actually run away from it and to resist it. But the deal is then, as far as ener- energy goes, you've kind of set up these opposites attract, and those two things kind of magnetically come together. And then you're in a position where the more you fear that particular energy, then the more of that energy you kind of bring in towards yourself. I do think it's perhaps a bit of a different scenario when we talk about ghosts and what humans would perceive as hauntings. And I would even say, even as I said the word ghosts, I'm hearing we're not ghosts, (laughs) which is, you know for me as a medium is kind of funny. And I would say you're absolutely right, you're not. I do perceive that in the number of, say for instance, house clearings that I have been called in to participate with my clients. There definitely is a difference between something having happened in a particular house something having happened on the land or in the land on which a particular dwelling or house is built, something that just happens to line up in a dense shadow way with other shadow aspects that just simply exist on the planet as a balance to other large spaces of light that exist. And so individuals, if you will, what we might term as ghosts, that also gets into varying categories of, are we dealing with um, an, an entity that used to be in human experience? Are we dealing with entities, plural, that are connected with a larger group of shadow that don't have anything to do with the house or the land itself, but are simply present in this physical space? And to a certain extent, the why of it doesn't really matter as much to me as it does the facilitation of the clearing of it. 
Because most certainly, especially where entities who happen to be attached to a physical dwelling, say for instance, an individual who transitioned in a home, it could very well be that that home was a place of either great sustenance for them, um, a loving family, a loving marriage, a loving partner, wonderful kids. It might also be kind of the opposite, that this might be their childhood home, that they actually feel stuck there. This is where they were abused, et cetera, et cetera. Rest assured, if their presence is being known, I have always had a little bit of an issue with programs on TV that talk about hauntings and ghosts and things like that, because it's my belief that I don't think those individuals are really necessary in causing anyone pain or fear or harm. They want to be shown an exit. And so it does take when you step into that space, enough of a balance of light to be able to open a double set of glass doors, which is what I usually do. I invite them to transition, go up into the light. If there are residual situations, um, past trauma, things that we have to do of that nature, I'm more than happy to do that. Hopefully you can see that looking at energy in kind of a non-personalized way and then not in the category of hauntings or ghosts. While I think that on one hand, a very small little hand, (laughs) appeals to humans exercising our shadow um, aspects of ourselves that we don't do nearly enough of because we kind of reject those at every possible turn. It kind of then puts us all in a space of, I think, being fearful of energy. And I don't think there's anything to fear of energy. There's a lot to master. And again, it's entirely your choice whether you choose to step into that place of wanting to gain mastery with energy and working with all that is, or you don't. I do think that ancient peoples were connected via these sliding dimensions because they had no formalized structure to control their thinking about energy, aka science most particularly, and religion as in organized religion. I do think that they were able to access all of it, just like animals have always done. Not surprisingly, you may have heard of archaeological structures, megaliths, monoliths throughout the world that coincidentally, or not so much coincidentally, line up with different aspects of the sun, the moon, and the planets. And no surprise, there's actually a word for that. It's called archaeoastronomy. Now, we could delve a little bit deeper into, again, what I'm sure science would label as the paranormal and talk about ley lines. But I think perhaps on the beginning aspect of it, I'll put a, a link into the podcast notes that talks specifically about this very real I wouldn't call it necessarily a phenomenon. I guess I would call it a field of observation about how these structures on just parts of the world that were geographically separated by lots and lots of distance, without cell phones, without GPS mapping, without satellites, with without all of the modern technological tools that humans these days use to connect ourselves to 
not only different parts of the planet, but also different aspects of the solar system. All of these ancient sites happen to be lined up. Again, I just don't think there's a coincidence. I think they were able to connect with a main grouping, if you will, of sources of energy that were all aligned in a particular pattern. Because to me, having all these things kind of line up and you can basically, it's almost like stepping stones around the planet, jump from one spot to the next to the next. And if you look at the visual, that it how it's placed over the globe, it's placed over the globe in very definite increments of measurement and in a very equitable way. And I think these sliding dimensions, the more you can think of energy, again, as not being paranormal and out to the side and therefore not normal, but merely part of your everyday moment-to-moment experience here on the planet, the more easily accessible that energy is going to be to you that you can maybe start to step out of side of these systems of thinking of both religion and science. And dare I say, start to think for yourself, maybe a little bit more and start to experience for yourself. I do want to add that particularly where science goes, I'm not a science denier. I would not be the person who would say, no, no, absolutely not. The planet is not warming at all. Of course, I would support that. From my vantage point, though, all I have to do is either take a remote visit up to the Arctic, I need to talk to walrus, I need to talk to penguin, I need to talk to polar bear, I need to talk to orca. All of those beings will be intimately connected with the geographical location where they are, and all of them would say to me in a resounding voice, yes. Our habitat is changing. Yes, we don't think we'll be here for very much longer. And so rather than it be kind of a call and an answer of an us and a them, that as beings in human experience, we can step more fully outside of human experience, if you will, and more into just the being part of being an earthling and being able to connect with other dimensions that certainly I would be the first to say to you that perhaps at first glance might seem to be a bit different. But for me, that's where the adventure lies. That's where my curiosity doesn't necessarily get the better of me, But that's where my curiosity is definitely peaked. And I have found the more that I answer my curiosity with something that satisfies it, then another point on another part of my path comes forward. I do think that that's how animals do it, only (laughs) they're much better, certainly, than I am, because they see the entire path all at once. And to me, the magic of animals and these sliding dimensions is that they see them. And at the same time, they sit back. They might be even slightly amused by the sliding dimensions. 
But make no mistake, they don't ever doubt their ability to step into these dimensions to make the most out of their planetary experience, not only for themselves, but for all the beings around them, because they know that that's what it's supposed to be like here on planet Earth. At least that's how they see it. Thanks for listening today. I offer an all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lizanneflynn.com. And this coming Saturday, August the 8th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, I'm going to be doing an online psychic fair. The link to sign up for that is on the website that I just gave to you, www.lizanneflynn.com. They are little mini 20-minute sessions, $1.50 a minute, so a good 20 minutes is 30 bucks. You can sign up for a maximum of two sessions. I love giving what amounts to almost a 25% discount to my clients, usually once every three or four months or so, because it's just really fun for me. We'll be able to connect either via phone or via video chat, and certainly if you have any questions about how this works on a particular day, don't hesitate to reach out and send me an email again at www.lizanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.